welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Bori Lodemi, and I'm joined by Suleiman Lassisi. Suleiman, this is our first episode of 2020. How are you feeling about this? I'm feeling great, Bori. It's been a while. We got on the mic and recorded, and I'm so happy we choose Martin Luther King Day to be our comeback day. So it feels good to be back. Yes. Uh, yes. Happy uh, Martin Luther King Day to all the Americans out there. And uh, let's, you know, let's just dive right in. What do you have for us? A lot. A lot has happened since the last time we recorded. So I'm not going to delay. And I'm going to start you off by asking you, so far we've had a lot of events happen all over Europe. Who do you think stands out to you as the player of the season of, or as, as the player of this at this point of the season, all over Europe. Over, uh, I want to say I'm I'm scanning all the leagues that I watch, and uh, I kind of want to give it to Lewandowski just because of the number of goals he's scoring. However, though, it's kind of unfair to to compare. You know, Immobile has the highest goals. So it's kind of hard to kind of compare, but I think Immobile has a lot of penalties. So I think uh, just given the amount of goals they've, uh, you know, this season, I, I want to give it to to Lewandowski. That's that's Lewandowski definitely is a good choice. He's a proven goal scorer, very prolific. But it's interesting because I'm actually looking at this from a different angle, and my answer to this would be Virgil Van Dijk. My reason being the fact that. Two years ago, I think, was when Liverpool signed him. And just looking at the transition that Liverpool has made in defence from that point up until today, I really think he's a big difference maker through that span, but also for what they've done this season and where they are. And my recency bias kicks in in what he did against Manchester United this past weekend. So all that together, I would say Virgil van Dijk. But like you said... Lewandowski also has had a wonderful start to the campaign. So great works from both of these players. Very interesting you say that. I actually completely disagree. I get that he has the impact and no doubt it, you know, he does have the impact. Um, I wouldn't even put him as the best defender this season, uh, to be completely honest. Uh, I think VVD is good, but uh, compared to what he did last season, he's nowhere near what he did last season. Um, he gets past um liverpool concedes you know they've been i mean not so much but they've considered a few goals this season unexpectedly unexpectedly um and, and it's been hard for them to keep keep a lot of clean sheets and they have i'm not saying they have not um but they have but i i would not even i, I would say Koulibaly, you know this season has even been a better defender uh the, you know just just so far this season uh, but it's very interesting that you you go the virgil van dyke uh, route Interesting. When I call it a proven defender, but I mean, I see where Napoli is on the table and it's hard for me to make a pick for Koulibaly. But I mean, the rest of the season will tell how they end, just kind of giving thoughts into what helped make my decision. But let's move on and talk about the Premier League, the one league that I religiously follow. And a lot has happened since the last time we talked, because right now, Liverpool is walking away with the title and we're only in January. Give me your thoughts on what you think about this Liverpool squad and where you think they will be come May. Of course. Uh, I mean, they are playing like an elite team. Um, I do have my doubts, though. And, and I think I've mentioned this in the podcast before. Uh, they, 
don't score that many goals. And I don't know if it's just like maybe they don't want to stress themselves or they don't want to work hard. Um, you know, like, for example, this past weekend, they scored just, what, two goals? Um, and they've only been scoring just a few goals for a, a top team. And when you think about Liverpool this season, they've not lost so many. They've not lost so many games in the EPL. But if you look at the Champions League, they they lost Napoli, and Napoli has been abysmal so far this season. So it's hard for me to kind of, you know, see them as a very threatening team. When it, you know, when it comes to Europe, I think what's really going well for them is the momentum that they have right now. You know, they they have, you know, a, what a thirteen or sixteen points buffer right now. And and they are playing with so much confidence, and that's something that's very hard to beat. And that's really what you know, th- what's really going on for them. And that's why I mean, obviously they've won they've won the EPL unless something really terrible goes on. But they've they've definitely won the EPL. But I still question mark. I am still doubting this team as a very good team, and or an elite team to go very far in the Champions League. I agree with you about their performance in the Champions League. I think it took like the last day last game day in the group stage before they were guaranteed qualification. So like qualification into the knockout round. So they definitely have some doubts when it comes to Champions League. But talking about the Premier League, I'm still surprised that they've pulled off such a great start. But talking about start, how has City, Manchester City, gone from the darling of attractive, indestructible soccer into shambolic performances against teams like Crystal Palace, who kind of all of a sudden look like their nemesis when it comes to these matchups in the Premier League. Any thoughts on what's happening to the City team? I mean, talk about confidence, right? They've absolutely lost all confidence that they have. And it's absolutely ridiculous how they're tying games that they should be winning by seven goals, for example. Um, it's, it's, really, it's really sad to see that a team that was very... Um, you know, week in, week out last season, just winning games, grinding out games, getting the, that last minute winner because they needed to to win the league. Right now, they look absolutely in shambles. It, it's actually quite concerning. And you, you really think, just think about what really changed in that team. And, and I think the one thing that you can point the finger at is a good is a very good leader um i wouldn't say david silva is not a great leader right now i'm not going to compare his leadership skills with anybody i'm not saying he's a bad leader but i, I think that's something they were missing and maybe that's that was that's the difference between li- last season and this season because obviously uh vincent company left but it's just really hard to to say why these people are are, are playing this bad i mean it's one thing to to concede so many goals because I understand their defense is, is bad, but they can't score that many. Uh, it's really, really bad. I, I'm willing to wager that the number of goals scored last season at this point is way less than 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 um, than what they have, or is is more than what they have this season. So I, I really can't say. It's just they've lost confidence. They've lost leadership. I think that's really what's what what the problem is. Yes, and it's interesting that you mentioned leadership because to me, what actually strikes as very obvious is the lack of leadership in defense in the person of Hey-Marie Laporte being injured and it's just been a disaster since his injury. But I also want to talk about Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva for a second. And these are players who were cream of the crop players last season. But this season, I have sat back and watched how Whenever these players don't play is actually when City 
gel as a team. I think Ray Admirers is a key component of the squad. And for some reason, Pep Guardiola is still sticking to making him a squad player, someone who comes on when things don't work out. I think it should actually be a primary when it comes to the strategy of the City team. Very interesting. I actually think the adverse opposite, I do get what you're saying with your analysis of of the team gelling more, uh, you know, when when uh, Sterling is out. But I actually don't think Riyad Mahrez is the player that we know from from the Leicester squad. It, he seems like a different, com- you know, a completely different player, mostly because he's very inconsistent. And obviously, I guess Sterling's also been inconsistent this season. But Riyad Mahrez, we see it every week or every every shot it takes sometimes. It's just like, is that an actual star player that should be playing on Man City's squad. Uh, but I guess all I'm trying to say is I don't think Riyad Mahrez is the solution. I think I think the reason why, part of the reason why they're probably uh, uh, playing very bad this season is because players like like Bernardo Silva, Silva and and uh, uh, Sterling are not doing so well. Um, I don't think Riyad Mahrez is a, is a massive player. I don't think he's up to that par. Well, we'll have to see. Hopefully, they bring a Sevilla from outside to save this team because it looks like they're really struggling. And speaking of struggling, I am actually just going to come through Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United and Spurs as the struggling quartet when it comes to the big teams that we know in the Premier League. Do you have a last word on these teams? What the direction is for the rest of the season? Top four or something? Yeah, quick notes. Uh, Tottenham, uh, obviously you can see that they're back to you know the position that uh, Pochettino left them. Um, so that goes to show you that they're one unlucky because they have very key injuries. Uh, second, um, the the players are not in the game anymore. Uh, look at Eriksen, for example. Um, I mean, yes, he's been in and out of the game, um, and but he doesn't seem like the he's interested in in being in the team anymore. Uh, so I, I think Tottenham is, uh, you know, uh, maybe we just need to have them finish the season at whatever position they, they, they finish in and then just have Mourinho just, you know, make changes in the summer. Uh, speaking about Arsenal, um, you know, it's good to see that they now have a new coach, Arteta. Um, but again, the problem is still there. Uh, the problem is not the offense, I think. I think the problem is in defense and just the midfield and you know, progressing from the midfield to, to the offense. I think that's what the problem is. And Arteta just needs time, I believe, um, and then talking about Chelsea, um, they are actually surprising, surprisingly doing well from, you know, obviously from the, the squad that they have. Uh, but they've been in and out. But uh, again, I expected more of losses, but they're, they're, you know, they've been winning one week and losing the other week. So it's been in and out for them. Uh, but I think they were very unlucky against Newcastle this past weekend. Um, and then Manchester United, uh, I really don't. I don't understand why they think Ole is should still be there, but maybe again they're waiting for the summer. But United is going to be, you know, a mid-tier team if if uh, Ole is still there. Um, yeah, it's complete shambles. You know, the, you know the you know the top six that we talk about in the EPL. Most of those teams are completely in shambles this season, and that's why you see Liverpool having so many points gap between the first and the second. Yes, before we move on from the topic of these teams, I think it's a great time for them. It's January. Some boards are struggling. They don't even know who to sign or who to let go. But I think this is a made, a great time. Major signings on the horizon. And we'll see what these teams will make of this transfer window. 
with that, I will move on and talk about the Bully, the Bundesliga Bully. It's my, it's kind of like my place where I feel like there is a chance for an upset this year. And I say that having come from a position to say Bayern Munich is going to win the league. I know I've said that because that's the status quo. But there's a chance for an upset this year, and it's in the form of Red Bull Leipzig. They're doing wonders, sitting atop the league in terms of points. And also they have a wonder boy in Timo Werner, scoring left, right, and center. And now there's a transfer rumor of him possibly joining Liverpool in the summer. And when you think about that, you think about Nabi Keita, who made the same move, I think, about a year ago. So there's precedence in, in that direction. What do you think of RB Leipzig and their chances? Oh, I, I mean, the Wonder Boy, if he keeps scoring, I think they have to win it. I mean, they're currently four points above Bayern Munich. Um, and, and it's just, it's you know, it's ridiculous that this is happening. I think currently they're halfway through the season. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think RB Leipzig could win it, uh, but it really just depends on on how Timo Werner does for the rest of the of the season. Um, but talking about uh, uh, Bayern Munich again, I think once the Champions League start, it's maybe a different story. I don't I don't think I don't think they have a chance this season. I think uh, I think either Leipzig or Mönchengladbach is going to win it, but obviously you know they're not doing well right now. Uh, I actually was watching the game last week. Uh, that's this past weekend, and they didn't seem like the same Gladbach that I knew from from the first part of the season. So it seems like they are uh, they've taken the their the foot of the gas pedal. Uh, but it's good to see this title race in a, in in a league like Bundesliga, and it just makes it very interesting for me to watch and uh, viewers out there. Exactly. So quick quick stop in Dortmund before we move on to other interesting leagues. Borussia Dortmund they fell off the competition a little bit, but they just made another major signing in the person of the real wonder boy, the player of the moment in Helling Haaland. And guess what he did this weekend? He scored a hat-trick on his debut. Actually, he scored a hat-trick on his half debut. He came in, it came on like 50 minutes into the game with yep. Dortmund being 3-1 or 3-2 down. And he stole the show. Any thoughts on the future of this amazing young talent? Oh, I mean incredible he came in the 56th minute and he was i mean i so i i didn't i missed the first goal i started watching from his second goal and twitter first of all twitter was buzzing with with howland and i'm not surprised come on i mean this is a a player that if you give him the ball one-on-one with the keeper he scores most of the time um now the the, the problem here i see though is you know we've seen the situation like last season piontek for example for milan did well at genoa moved to Milan in, in, in January, so half, half of the season, and then was doing very well, and then this season is not doing very well. Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Holland, but I would just say I'm not surprised. He's full of confidence right now, and there's nothing that can stop him. And keep in mind, he won that game for them because uh, Dortmund were actually losing that game 3-1 before he started to score the goals. So um, so so he, he's a very key component to Dortmund and has... I, I personally, I think he's going to bring Dortmund back into the race of the Bundesliga, which is going to make things very tough for Bayern Munich. I agree. And just capping off for Bayern Munich, maybe they've, maybe Dortmund have found the replacement, the long-sought replacement for Lewandowski. The rest of the season, 
await a tale to tell us the answer to that. And with that, I pass it on to you, Bori. Tell us the other happenings all over Europe. Oh, uh, very interesting. Um, La Liga has changed a lot. Uh, obviously, we've missed, uh, you know, since the last time we recorded, so many things have changed. But I'm going to start with the first obvious one. Uh, Barcelona did a complete change of the coach. Um, and they, they replaced Valverde with Kike Setien. Um, and, you know, I have mixed feelings about this. And especially given the, the last weekend's game when I saw their game, because they seemed to struggle um, in that game. Um, but eventually the magic man obviously yeah, gave them the win. But I just want to point out the reason, uh, just something that Barcelona does. And the, the thing about Barcelona is, for example, you remember when, when Pep was hired, you know, they, it seems like they, they go with kind of like the culture of, of, of Barcelona in terms of what, and what I mean by that is they don't go for a big time coach. They go for somebody that just knows the Barcelona style. And, and plays the Barcelona style and has the the mind of the Barcelona style. And that's what happened when they hired Pep. And now they've gone to hire a coach that has not won any major trophy. Um, yes, he's been he's coached in, in, in La Liga and he's done very well, um, you know, what, what, especially with the style of play. But it's just kind of weird to see that they hire somebody with no, you know, record of, of major trophies, with no experience of major trophies, and with no experience of actually a very big, big time club. So it, it's, this is something I just want to pose to you as a question. Do you think this, you know, Kike Centen is, is the solution and what Barcelona needs when their coaches like Allegri, Pochettino out there um, looking for jobs? You know, and this is just so confusing to me. It's interesting you asked that, Bori, because when, when I had the name, I was like, Kike Centen, who is that? But then after a while, I realized there's this documentary on Amazon Prime, Six Dreams, where Rehabitiz was featured prominently in, and I watched that, and I actually went back and I remembered who this guy is. I would say is a, I think when Barcelona are thinking of something like stability and just being able to emerge and maintain that identity they used to have, I can't think of a better person, to be honest, because I think he's, he's very calm and he's the kind of person that can bring through what Barcelona wants in a coach. I, it's, a, it's a little similar to Ernesto Valverde in that sense because I feel like he, in terms of his own personality, like bring his own style to the team. I don't see that. But I think he can maintain whatever the board wants to present, which can be good or bad. Like if what you're presenting is Messi is the, is the quarterback on this team and everyone else plays around Messi, he will do exactly that. But if you're looking for innovation on this team, I don't think he will be the right person. I, I completely agree with you. I also want to add that it's very, to me, I think it's very weird because if they want to win trophies, and the problem is they do want to win the Champions League trophy, and I don't see them winning Champions League trophy with this coach. I, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not, in no way am, am I saying he's not a good coach or he wouldn't do well, but you want someone that has that experience, someone that knows how to win, someone that knows how to, you know, coach the team in such a way that they have that winning mentality. It's hard to, co I feel like it's hard to coach a team you know, to win major trophies if you've not won major trophies. Uh, you have to speak from experience. You have to learn from experience. And I feel like this is something uh, Setien doesn't have. Again, you know, we've seen a coach like Mourinho win major trophies in their first try. So I'm not going, I'm not going to say, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, uh, you know he's not going to win anything. But I personally think 
I think the Barcelona board wants to win the Champions League. They also want to win the, the La Liga. If you want to win, you go for a coach that wins. A coach that wins is Allegri. A coach, Allegri is a coach that, that has experience in the Champions League finals. He's learned from his mistakes, I'm sure. Uh, and that, that's somebody that you want to bring in to win trophies. Um, but <clears throat> maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he will prove us all wrong. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I just I saw the game last weekend. I I understand I'm not going to say judge him after just one game, but they look like the same team on the Valverde where they're just very slow to build out and and there's no real movement of the ball. Um, it's well there is, but it just feels slow. It doesn't feel like the Barcelona way. I understand Suarez is out, um, but still I don't know how this is going to work out. I I think this is. This is actually a good news for Real Madrid because this means that they could actually have a chance at the La Liga. It's actually interesting you say that because on the topic of Real Madrid, they've been, how do I say, they've been fighting through points and managing to stay on track and just in touch with Barcelona. But unless this game goes to the, unless this league goes to the last three games of the season, I think Barcelona will separate. And I'm saying this coming off of me saying at the beginning of the season that Real Madrid will win the La Liga. But from what I've seen in over the course of the season, I think Barcelona have the talent. Real Madrid, it's been a lot of just like fighting hard to actually win games. But Real Madrid and Barcelona, I think they're, they're sluggish, like you, you said. But I think they can, if things go well under the new coach, form a new playing style to where they can win consistently and convincingly yes i think uh barcelona is missing a key player on the left wing i think they need to move griezmann to the front because remember suarez is very slow now messi doesn't obviously you don't expect messi to to run back and defend um but you need a, they need a left winger uh, i mean obviously someone like neymar will be great but they, i don't think they'll be able to get him um so so they need to to replace that left wing uh uh very soon but hey speaking about real madrid um, I actually think I'm, I'm slightly changing my mind uh, from my prediction, which was uh, that Barcelona will win the La Liga. But Real Madrid are looking very good. And keep in mind, um, Hazard is out. He's been injured. He's not been playing. Modric is playing very well again. Cruz is playing very well. Casemiro is bossing in the game. Benzema obviously is on fire. Um, and like, do you think? Do you think? You don't you don't think they can win this league even with without without Hazard they play this way. What do you think will happen when Hazard comes back? Well, it's not like Hazard has proven himself at Real Madrid. So what will happen when he comes back? Probably what was happening before he left. Not much really. So but I think I mean they're playing well for the I think for the talent they have on the team, and this is putting an asterisk on Hazard's name, but the talent they have on the team. They're pushing the ceiling of what they can accomplish. So they're doing well. If Hazard comes back and he's the Hazard at Chelsea, definitely it gives them an edge. But if it's the same Hazard that has showed up at the Bernabeu since his arrival, then it's not going to be for much. You're completely right. Let's move on to the other parts of Madrid. Atletico Madrid, uh, they don't seem to be doing very well, although they've been winning the games by a very short margin. Uh, but they lost this weekend to Eibar, which was very awkward. Um, but... I mean, I guess there's nothing to say other than, like, they're definitely not, obviously, they're not part of the race, and I don't think they will do well in the Champions League either. 
yeah, this is a case of plot gone wrong. I just feel like this team, they've overachieved in the last few years. They actually have gone out and spent money the last couple of years as well. So I don't know. Maybe the title of underdog fits them better than the title of contenders because they're struggling below expectation. Yes, and you're right. I mean, they started buying all these players and now they're not doing very well. So who knows? Maybe they should sell them off and just use... uh homegrown players, but let's talk about my favorite team in La Liga, uh, obviously after Barcelona, Granada. Granada is falling gradually. They beat, uh, they, they lost to Barcelona this past weekend, 1-0. Um, I, although I think they played very well, they were a very lively team, uh, but then they lost after they got a red card uh, to one of the players, which I didn't think was a, a red card, but but it's, it's whatever. But it's just sad to see that they're going down. They're currently 10th, but you never know. They could come back up. Uh, but just uh, just a quick note on them, and let's you know let's move on to another great country, uh, Italy. Um, and I'm very excited for the Serie A this season, just just because we've we're seeing something we've not seen in probably over ten years. Uh, and, and I may be wrong; I, I need to check my facts on that. But we're seeing a three-way race in the Serie A between Juventus, Inter Milan. And Lazio. So, Lamont, does this get you excited to finally see some kind of competition in this area? Definitely. I want a power change. I want someone like Inter Milan or SS Lazio to just take this title and snatch it off of Juve's grip. And that would make my year. So, I'm excited at the way things are shipping up. Sure. I mean, it's, it's very incredible to see. Um, I, you know, uh, I, I still give the, the power to Juventus, sadly, because, you know, they have a squad depth and, 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 and whatnot. But um, it's very impressive to see Inter Milan actually keep up. Uh, they've only lost one game. They've tied many games this season. So I think that, that's been their detriment. Uh, so they're currently second. But Lazio has a game in hand. And they are two points away from Inter Milan. So they may overtake them once they play that game in hand. Uh, but let's, speaking about, I, I want to talk about Inter Milan and Lazio. Um, Lazio specifically because of the number one top goal scorer in, the, in Europe's top five leagues, Immobile. Immobile is back again scoring so far 23 goals just in the Serie A. Um, do you think this is a season that we see a top goal scorer from the Serie A? Oh, you're speaking in entirety, like outside in all of yeah. Europe. It's a goal scorer, imagine from Syria. The way he's going, he's cause he scores hat tricks, hat tricks like in certain games, and he scores two goals, or he just keeps scoring. He can't stop scoring. I actually, I think it's possible, and the reason I say that is because Lazio are a free flowing team. They will get goals, and he. When he's on, he's on, which it looks like he is now. So I think it's definitely possible, but also keep an eye on Germany, like sure, usual sure. suspect. So, but I think it's definitely possible that we have, I mean, we have Cristiano Ronaldo in Italy too. So it's possible that we can get the European highest goal scorer coming out of Italy, which is a good thing for the league. Yeah, you know what's really funny? I think it's not even fair to the Bundesliga because they only have what thirty-six games to play every season, and or. Because they have 18 teams. Yeah, 34 um, games. 34 games, I mean, sorry. 34 games. Um, so uh, Immobile will get to play four more games than the than them. So he may get more goals because of that reason. But um, I guess they don't really put that into a, a factor when they're coming up with the top goal scorer in, in, in Europe. Um, but let's slightly move on to Inter Milan. 
Um, the reason why I want to talk about this is I've actually coined a word and I'm going to start using it from now on. And I've actually had this word in my mind for a long time, but I just, I'm just saying it, saying it in the podcast for the first time. Um, a great partnership this season. And, you know, we talk about partnerships, we talk about Messi and Suarez, we talk about the front three of Liverpool, you know, but we don't talk about the partnership between Lautaro Martinez and Lukaku. Um, and I've actually, the word for them, my word for them is Laukaku, you know, Lautaro and Lukaku. So I say Laukaku. And the reason why I'm saying this is between them, I don't know how many goals they've scored, but they've scored so many. But the one thing I wanted to point out is just the chemistry between them. And these are two unlikely strikers you never think will ever play together ever before until this season. And the way they gel and the way they play together. I mean, I'm sure you remember the, the assist that Lukaku had in the Champions League with the outside of the foot where he like kind of kicked it in, in yeah, the middle yeah. and, and Martinez scored. But just the gelling of those two is incredible. What do you think about that? I'm happy for Lukaku for all the crap that Manchester United fans gave him. He was always a team player, team first. He was always a team player. Even when he plays for Belgium, he gets goals like it's going out of style. But consistently, he delivers assists. He's, he's always been a team player. So I'm very happy for him. And Lotaro Martinez, I think this is going to be bittersweet for Inter Milan fans. He's played so well that Manchester City are going to stop at nothing to get him. So take that for what you will, but he's been so good for Inter Milan as well. And the chemistry, it's great to see both of them delivering not just goal after goal, but the style. You talk about Lukaku's wonder assist and all those kind of goals that is current between each other. You have to wonder how long can Inter Milan hold on to Lotario Martinez. Yeah, I think he's definitely gone to season. I've also heard links between... Uh, a- with him going to Barcelona also because Suarez leaving, or, or basically I think they're going to kick Suarez out. Um, but another thing that I've noticed about Inter Milan is, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the transfer news, but it seems like they are going for veterans. They've signed Ashley Young currently, and now they're going for uh, Eriksen. They're thinking about getting Giroud. Um, and it's just very weird to see that they're, instead of getting younger players, it seems like they're going to the older players, do you think there's something, you know, like a lot of teams go for younger players, right? Am I, am I, am I missing the point here? No, you're not. I mean, you're in the majority when you think that Inter Milan are going for older players. But as I pointed out to a friend earlier today, the thing with Serie A is on, until you turn 35, you're considered young. So Antonio Conte, who's played through, coached through the Serie A, he knows what he can get out of this place. And you're talking about veterans not just some run-of-the-mill player, player who've, on their best days, shown that they can play. So he's definitely going to get a bang for his buck, so to speak, out of these players. And you can add Victor Moses to that list because I found that out today, but he's definitely going to make this team and this collection of players work. Yes, well, it's good for the Syria, but talking about veterans, uh, there is a new veteran in the Syria, one of my favorite players ever to play this game. Uh, I'm sure you can guess who it is. It's Ibrakadabra. That's why I call him. But uh, Ibrahimovic, he is back in the Syria, and you would not think, you you wouldn't even think that he would go to a top club. But there he is. He is in Milan, and he's actually pulling his weight in Milan. Do you think this is a good move for Milan? It's a good short-term move for Milan. I mean, I mean, you could never really go wrong with a proven goal scorer like Ibrahimovic. So in the short term, it's good, but 
I feel like maybe I'm nostalgic, but I when did we get to this point where we need a 38 year old played a couple years in the MLS player to rescue us? I don't know. I, it's good for Milan. It's definitely proving to work out on the field, but I just it just it makes me cringe that we've gotten we've fallen to the point where we need a 30 year old forward to come save us. Yeah, it's very weird to see, but you know that's the thing. Ibra is one of a kind, and it's good to see him back. And obviously, this is more press for Syria, so it's you know we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, a lot of people are saying this is a very bad move, but I think it's a good move given the scenario and situation of Milan. So many young players, they need some kind of leader that's going to actually lead them and teach them. And we've been having problems scoring, and since he's been here, he's been able to motivate our forwards. Uh, yeah, so I think that's that's really it for the Serie A. It's very exciting to see the, the 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 title race. I think that league is probably the only league that has well, actually, the Bundesliga is also having a tight race. Um, so it's good to see this kind of race in other leagues apart from the La Ligas and the and the EPLs. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all we have. Aren't you gonna tee us up with a random fact before we call it an episode? Of course, yes. Uh, the random fact of the episode now this stems from the Syria. i was looking at a player from napoli um jose callejon uh the the spanish forward for napoli um turns out he has a an identical twin that like they look exactly alike and it's actually striking how much they look alike uh, obviously they're identical twins so that makes sense his name's juan me callejon he currently plays for a team called Marbella in uh, this, the third division of the of La Liga. But um, I just wanted to point out that, uh, yeah, he uh, Jose Cañon, a very famous player, has this twin that looks exactly like him. And it makes me wonder sometimes if they've switched positions you know, before. Because, I mean, if they look exactly alike, they probably mess around with people. Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. He plays soccer, so that makes it a giveaway. I mean, just throw on a Napoli shirt and walk through the hearts of the city of Naples and get all the attention you can ever ask for. So, I mean, I would think it's something they do. Yeah, yeah it's interesting to see. I'm sure they probably have uh, many stories, but obviously I'm not part of the media, so I, don't, I can't really get an interview with them to ask them. But yeah, that's all we have for this episode of the fourth official soccer podcast. Sulaiman? Exactly, Bori. I'm glad we're back again with a new episode. We're going to try to keep this up for the next future episodes. So you can always reach out to us on Twitter at 4th Official SP, on Gmail at 4th Official Soccer Podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. It's been a pleasure, Bori. All right. Thank you, listeners, and bye bye.